1: If you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help.
2: One heart at a time.
1: Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Hello, and welcome to The Inner Life on This Wednesday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Glad to have you here for this hour of spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, I know summer is officially over, but during the summer, if you were eating a hot dog or a hamburger, what kind of toppings or condiments do you have to have? What do you always go for? Does your hot dog, does it always have to have mustard or maybe some onions, some relish on it? Or do you never have a burger unless there's that tomato, that slice of tomato on there? Or are pickles have to have some dill pickle slices on that burger? And of course, there's that condiment that almost all kids seem to love on hot dogs and burgers and fries and so many other things. Bright red ketchup, right? But back in the early 2000s, you had other choices for colors of ketchup. Do you remember this? In July of the year 2000, Heinz introduced green ketchup. It was part of a marketing promotion in support of the very first Shrek movie, and it was coming out in theaters that summer. Green ketchup... And kids, they were so excited about having green ketchup for their burgers and their fries that Heinz, they found themselves selling a year's worth of orders in only the first few months that green ketchup was available. And since green ketchup was such a hit, well, then Heinz decided we should try some other colors. Along with the green color, it was called Blastin' Green. You could buy ketchup in awesome orange, in totally teal, stellar blue, passion pink and funky purple. And I very clearly remember the green and the purple ketchups because my wife bought both of them for our daughters. We, our family was, we were just starting out at the time and we had some young girls and they loved them. I could never bring myself around to use those different colored ketchups. They looked absolutely wrong on a hot dog or a burger or to try and dip your fries in them for me ketchup has to be red but it's also interesting to note that Heinz by making ketchup that wasn't red they had to strip out the red color and add in other food colorings and along with this they had to add other ingredients to match the regular ketchup flavor that everyone expected so how do you take the red out of ketchup well no more tomatoes And that meant Heinz, they couldn't call these colored ketchups tomato ketchup. To try and make up for the lack of tomato in these colored ketchups, well, Heinz ended up putting other big eye-catching lines on their labels, things like same great Heinz taste and fortified with vitamin C. Well, these different colored ketchups, they lasted for six years Apparently that was the length of the novelty And by that time sales were starting to dwindle And those different colored Heinz ketchups They were discontinued And Heinz went back to making only red ketchup Now if you have something that is called ketchup But it no longer contains that main ingredient though Tomatoes Is it still really ketchup? Or is it only a sauce at that point? Even if someone tells you Oh it tastes exactly the same It serves the exact same purpose. Do you really have ketchup? Well, I don't think so. I think when you start taking away the main thing that makes ketchup ketchup, when you remove the tomatoes from the process, you've created something different. might seem similar, but it's not the real deal. And of course, we can encounter this sort of thing in all areas of life. Things that appear to be, or even claim to be, authentic. When you start looking at what really is involved in their makeup, you discover that some key ingredient might be missing. And this can happen for us spiritually. It can happen for us sacramentally. If a key element is missing in a sacrament, then what might appear to be a sacrament on the outside is not really one at all. One of the most common areas where I think we see this in our current culture is in the area of marriage. Marriage, one of the seven sacraments that the Catholic Church gives us, that Christ instituted, it's something that so many young people don't understand. They don't understand what marriage means, what is required for marriage to be sacramental. And that's what we want to discuss today on the inner life how we can better understand what a sacramental marriage is, what it means if that sacramental reality never existed, and what the steps are that are involved at that point. And joining us today as our spiritual director for the hour, helping us look at marriage and also when it isn't a sacramental marriage. Our spiritual director is Father Ramil Fajardo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He joined Holy Name Cathedral in uh, Chicago there in 2013. He's a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal. He's the Director of Liturgy and the Cardinal's Delegate for St. James Chapel and the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center, and most recently was named the Rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. And uh, Father Ramil, I'm so glad to welcome you here to the program today. Sounds like you are a very, very busy priest. You have a lot going on there.
3: Good morning, Josh. Yes, Um As they always say, other duties as required, and what better way to serve the church than to just keep busy and doing the Lord's work?
0: (laughs) Well, very good. Well, one (laughs) of the reasons that um, we especially wanted to talk with you is because, you know, as I talk about a sacramental marriage, um, if that sacramental reality isn't there, then what we commonly say is, oh, you can go through the process of Mm -hmm. receiving an annulment. And that's part of what you're involved with there, being that judge on the Metropolitan Tribunal. But, you know, one of the things that I always remember hearing about bank tellers Mm -hmm. when they're working with money, dollar bills of different amounts, the best way for them to train to uh, spot counterfeit bills is not to spend a bunch of hours looking at the different fakes, the the different counterfeits that people have tried to use in the past. Rather, the best way to identify counterfeit money is to spend so much time working with real bills that when one of those counterfeit bills comes across your, your desk or your counter there, you can't help but notice something is wrong with this. This doesn't look quite right. And I think that might be maybe a good way for us to start this hour we want to get to talking about annulments, but before we get there, can we just talk about what a sacramental marriage is? Can you walk us through a proper understanding of marriage?
3: Sure. And I think first and foremost, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, an annoyance of mine is that people always say annulments. And the one thing we have to be very careful about is that the church does not annul a valid marriage. plain and simple valid marriages are are simply they're valid they are they are in fact the code of canon law uh, canon 1055 says the matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life and which is ordered by its nature to the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring has been raised by christ the lord to the dignity of a sacrament between the baptized So once it is validly consented between the man and the woman, then it is irrevocable, it is unbreakable, it simply exists. So the church under no circumstances has any authority to annul a marriage. What we can do is declare that a marriage that was presumed valid was entered into under certain circumstances that in fact, by its very nature, could never have been valid right? So that's the first concern is to make sure that people understand Christ the Lord himself is present in a valid marriage. It is unbreakable. It is absolutely, because of our Lord's fidelity, unbreakable. It exists, period.
0: And so the only way to dissolve that marriage is if one of the spouses dies. Correct. By death, only by death. So I, I, I think it's very important to make that distinction. That's also because a lot of times uh, people who maybe don't have a clear understanding or if it's oh. somebody looking from the outside in at the Catholic Church, they'll say, well, getting an annulment, that's just a Catholic term for a divorce. But Correct. again, going back to if a marriage validly exists there's nothing that anyone here on earth can do <laughs> to, to take that a, a away it absolutely and fundamentally exists as long as both spouses are alive
3: period <laughs> exactly that's the one thing that people do not seem to understand or accept um, is that a man and a woman are presumed to have full faculties to say i do and mean it that's why another thing to uh, another thing that i try to remind people is that uh, marriages between non-Catholics, if it's properly understood, is in fact a valid natural bond marriage. So a non-Catholic Christian with a non-Catholic Christian presuming that they mean it and presuming that their their respective churches accept that, it's a valid bond. It's a natural—with uh, uh, the, with the baptized, it's raised to the level of a sacrament. But even non-Christians, there's, that is presumed a valid bond. So, I, I think that's a very important consideration that a man and a woman who make these promises publicly and intend to say, I do, mean I do. And the church respects their intellect, their will to mean it, I do. That also brings up, I think,
0: a really important point here, and maybe another matter for distinction and clarification. Mm -hmm. As you're talking about this, I mean, we're talking about a sacramental marriage, but you're also talking about marriages that are recognized, whether it's from uh, other ecclesial communities, whether it's even just a civil marriage. And that civil marriage versus sacramental marriage, it's not that they both have to be exclusive. You can have both at the same time. But can you give us maybe a little more clarification on what we mean when we talk about sacramental versus
3: civil marriage? Right. Uh, The church, through her canon law, always understands that we cooperate with the civil authorities in all things that are moral and good. So when, for example, here in the state of Illinois, they say that the state issues the marriage license and that we can go to whomever we choose to do so. For Catholics, while we do not require per se any civil authority to tell us what is marriage, We cooperate and we say, get a marriage license from the state of Illinois, from whichever county you're in, and then they in turn recognize the fact that we will celebrate that marriage. So there's a cooperation between the two. The church focuses exclusively on the sacramental dimension between the baptized. But a civil marriage is a marriage witnessed solely by the state. I think that's what I'm understanding the question to be, is that a civil marriage is one that the state witnesses without the participation of the church and in that sense roman catholics are expected to participate in their sacramental marriage with the church and therefore right. mm-hmm.
0: yeah and that's exactly where where yeah i just i wanted to make sure that we were clear on that that uh you can go to the justice of the peace i mean two Two baptized, confirmed Catholics, a man and a woman, can go to the justice of the peace, and they can be civilly married. But by virtue of the fact if they have if they've been baptized in the Catholic Church, they've been confirmed. Right. At that point, they're missing out on the sacramental aspect of it because they've skipped bringing the Church into uh, the the process
3: of entering into matrimony correct and one thing that we're as pastors as well we're constantly reminding people that the church is the greatest of treasures the 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 sacraments are the greatest of treasures and you're invoking the very presence of our lord himself in the sacrament in that expression of of i do um and i always used to i I memorized many years ago the the vow that a man and woman makes like I promise to take you as my husband, as my wife. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. Now, those those were the old words. They've been tweaked a tiny bit. Uh, They've been retranslated, but in essence, isn't that the voice of Christ himself? Mm -hmm. So a man and a woman expressing that sacramentally with one another, it's Christ. It is the very presence of Christ in that sacrament. How much more powerful could that ever be? So let's talk about what a sacramental
0: marriage looks like. If you're going to enter into a sacramental marriage, the Catholic Church asks a few questions before you can be married. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. And the Church wants to know, do you promise to be true to each other? Do you understand fully what you're doing as as far as the obligations are concerned? And again, let's go back to the Code of Canon Law, Canon 10.56. The essential properties of marriage are unity and indissolubility. So in other words, when, we, when a couple makes that promise, the properties that they're bringing into this is that it is unity and indissoluble. Do you understand what that means? And also going back to the original uh, definition, it's a matrimonial covenant. It is, a, it is more than just a promise. It's more than a partnership. It is a covenant, a giving of a giving of a partnership of the whole of life, and it is for their good and especially for the procreation and education of children. So, the church in her prenuptial uh, investigation asks, "Okay, so how is your faith life? How do you understand what marriage is? Do you understand that give and take? Do you understand that sacrificial love and giving, which is open to life? Do you understand all these things?" So. It's in the prenuptial uh, investigation. There's a lot of trying to figure out where are you in your faith life, Mm -hmm. and I I think any of our pastors listening in, if anyone's listening, they're going to understand this is where I want to say that the the cultural dimension really comes in. All of us are trying to figure out how to deal with people's understandings of what marriage really and truly is, a total giving of the self.
0: I'd like to focus on that a little bit more because you mentioned the word covenant and I know <laughs> you know we only have an hour here and there's so <laughs> much that we could go, we could go into even just on the the uh, what a covenant is but can you kind of unpack that a little for us? You know, when we look at a contract a contract is something that is an exchange of goods or services. It's something that we sign once that obligation is fulfilled, the, the contract is fulfilled, it's over. A covenant doesn't have that end. A covenant is an exchange of persons. Can, can you help us understand that so we, we get a better, um, like you say, the culture impacts us in such a way that... We have this contract mindset when it comes to marriage. How can we have a covenant mindset for marriage?
3: Right, exactly. Uh, it was it was kind of funny because this morning I was trying to uh, connect to to get into, to get onto the show. I'm having a problem with my phone because it's a it's a brand new phone. I'm not quite used to this particular phone. And it's really a beautiful thing when we talk about a covenant because it's not just something. It's not a contract that, like you said. If we, we enter into it and then we fulfill the terms. No, this is a, a promise that a friend, a beloved, gives to someone they care about so much, it is impossible to ever think otherwise. So another question that I always ask couples is, do you realize this is not quote-unquote marriage, but this is a marriage of best of friends? This is not something that, you know, if it doesn't work out, we're going to just call it a day. And that's where the culture is at this moment. We're so used to getting new things. It's like, if it doesn't work out, get something new, try something different. But a covenant is the totality of investment of one's heart, one's life. Everything that you are is being given to somebody who in turn says, yeah, I see all that, both the beautiful things and you know the unfortunate warts in which there's always room for improvement. But it's a totality of giving.
0: Yeah, I, I think as you're describing that too, if there was that understanding walking in for people and and a true belief in that, you know, I mean, right. you can say, oh, okay, sure, sure, I hear you. But if you don't say, I, I really believe and I'm going to live my life fully following that belief, because like you said with your phone, if... I really don't like the terms of the contract of the, you know, the cell phone provider and what I have set up there. I can find a way out of that. That's right. just a contract. And exactly. there's, a, there's a way to get out of that. If I understand that I am in totality committing myself, giving myself to this person, and I am no longer my own after that point, I don't have the same sort of claim on my own autonomy, then all of a sudden it changes my mindset as I prepare and say, okay, this is serious stuff. Am I really ready to offer that much of myself, not just that much, but all of myself to this other person? Am I willing to make myself that completely vulnerable that they are the one that they, they have that claim on me?
3: Beautifully and excellently said. Because unfortunately for us canonists and for us priests, we're kind of caught up in trying to explain the technical terms, but from the human perspective, it's exactly like you said, this is so intimate of a giving that once I have decided and once my future spouse has decided, I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. Not just when it's easy, not when it's convenient. All. And really, that is the key to a successful and really blessed sacramental marriage, is that you understand the totality of what's at stake.
0: Our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, Father Ramil Fajardo, he's a priest in the Archdiocese, and uh, we're talking about sacramental marriage, but we're also going to, coming up here in just a moment, start talking about a lot of people who have entered into marriage, and maybe there's not a valid sacramental marriage there. there. There's a lot of questions out there. I know because every time we talk about the annulment process here on Relevant Radio, There's all kinds of questions about what is valid and what makes for an invalid marriage sacramentally. So if you have any questions, uh, right now, this is the time to call in. Um, Maybe you have a question on the sacramentality of marriage. Maybe you've gone through the annulment process and it's something where you've experienced that you've, you've been able to move past maybe some of the hurt and the baggage in the past, and it's been a healing process. We'd love to hear your experience. Our studio line, 888 914 914 9149 and our email address is at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking with Father Ramil here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com/forester.
1: Welcome back to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. one 914 9149 That's one 914 9149 This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director for the hour, Father Ramil Fajardo, a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He's a judge on the Metropolitan Tribunal there. He's the director of liturgy and the cardinal's delegate for St. James Chapel in the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center, and uh, most recently this year named the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, and he's our spiritual director as we're talking about marriage and annulments today here on The Inner Life. Having that proper understanding of a sacramental marriage, but also what, to, what, what do you do if you're in that relationship and you find out that there's not a sacramental marriage there? What are your options? What do you do at that point? And maybe you have a question on marriage, on divorce, on annulments in the Catholic Church. Maybe you've gone through that annulment process and how did that help you to find healing and ultimately to grow closer to Christ, grow closer to the church. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 914 9149 And I think a lot of people, Father, they find themselves in this situation where there can be a couple of, you know, two, three, four different options. Uh, I ended up marrying my wife and when we originally got married she was a confirmed catholic but didn't have the knowledge that she needed to be married in the church i was not catholic at the time i was uh, i had grown up as a baptist and so we did that justice of the peace marriage and got married uh, outside of the church And it wasn't until I was on my journey after having learned about the Catholic Church, and it was about a two, three-year process of learning, of being catechized, and eventually coming into the Catholic Church. And I ended up saying at some point, before I ever entered the church, I said, oh, (laughs) you know what? We don't have a sacramental marriage. And you're going forward in receiving communion, and I don't think you're supposed to do that. And so we met with a priest, <laughs> right. and, you know, we. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of ignorance that's involved there. I mean, you know, I experienced that in my life. But uh, that's probably the biggest first obstacle, I think, is that ignorance out
3: there. Right, absolutely. The church's sole purpose is to make Jesus known. You know whatever whatever good we do is always predicated on the fact that our first purpose is to go out into all the world and make our lord known and we see that at the end of the gospel of matthew so it comes to catechesis it also comes to uh the the church's pastoral ministers whether the uh, the bishop priest or deacon those in the clerical state or all those associated with the mission to go forward and uh propose our Lord's way. You know, it was that was the, that was what it was always called back in the early days before Christianity became a term it is the way right. So by living a good life and I think the two of you did a wonderful job you, you study the faith and you said, well we came to this conclusion we must pursue the Lord. So all those of goodwill who are listening, all those who are curious, it is the Lord. So let's pursue and know a lot about the one who we call our beloved. Hmm.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's dive into what is an annulment? What does that declaration of nullity mean? And why would somebody
3: care about seeking to get that annulment? Okay, first and foremost, it is uh, what we learned in school, and what I learned in my practice here at the tribunal is, number one, it is not A statement that you're a good person or a bad person Mm, yeah okay let's let's really let's keep the Lord in this it's not a statement you're a good person you're a bad person do this no it is a simple statement by the church very detached that says the marriage in question which is presumed valid has in fact not been uh, understood as the way the church understands marriage and the church has that obligation to make sure that we tell our people that morally certain this is this is an invalid bond it is not what the church understands as marriage so the marriage nullity process really serves to allow and encourage the discovery of the truth regarding the juridic status of the marriage that's why i'm saying please it's not about you're a bad person or a good person it's not a judgment in that sense it is a judgment of the juridic status of this bond Mm. so mm -hmm, please no 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 go ahead father oh well it's just again and 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 the church's offer to bring christ into your marriage into your relationship bring our lord in and there's there i mean there's it's really a service ultimately we look at it as a service to make sure that we continue this mission of making Christ known. Uh,
0: If you've got somebody who, you you know, you're talking about that. It's not a judgment on if you're a a good person or a bad person. It's not um, to point out and say, oh, you failed in your marriage. You know, a lot of times that's what divorce can be. It's, well, you tried and you didn't quite make it. Um, This is more the judgment on is it, is it officially sacramentally a marriage, or is it not? Did it never exist to begin with? How, how do you help counsel people so that they kind of separate intellectually that knowledge, that judgment that is then decided, and they don't let all of that kind of emotional um, worry and maybe that that uh you know that (laughs) that dread that oh people are going to judge me or think i i i couldn't make this work
3: (laughs) among my friends i'm i'm kind of known of being as being very blunt and my my usual response is keep your eyes on the lord that's all who matters so reconcile receive his mercy and Begin again. The, mm-hmm. Everyone, there's room for improvement for all of us. Right. So, as far as this declaration of nullity process, we're basically saying to people, hey, listen, you know, our Lord wishes to be an integral part of your life and just make that statement of, yes, Lord, I trust in you. Yes, Lord, come. Yes, Lord, I'm here to do your will. Mm-hmm. Eyes always in the Lord. We're not, the church is not here to say, ooh, bad person, you didn't get married in the church. No, of course not course not the lord's mercy and the sacrament of healing which really if you think about it the sacrament of marriage is also uh, an exercise of the common priesthood of the faithful you serve one another you sacrifice for one another you heal one another you give life to one another it's, it's on so many levels it is quite the sacrament
0: right you're a representation of the mystery of the trinity of god there's so much involved there sure
3: absolutely and you know i think um fulton sheen i think it was had a beautiful image in one of his books i I don't have the title in mind but he said if you look at a husband and wife you only get closer to each other the more you get closer to christ it's like a big triangle you only get closer to each other Mm -hmm. the closer you move towards christ and
0: i'm sorry go ahead father
3: Oh, one, one final thought. I did a, an anniversary blessing uh, very recently, 50 years, and there's a beautiful exhortation which says this, this marriage of yours has been a living homily of God's faithfulness in the world.
2: Hmm.
3: And I, that, that has never, never left my mind, whether it's in religious profession, matrimonial anniversaries, whatever. It's a living homily of Christ's presence in the world.
0: Mm, I, I I like that a lot, Father. We've got a lot of people on the phones uh, waiting to talk with you. I also want to give out the phone number again as we're talking with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, about marriage, sacramental marriage, understanding what a sacramental marriage is, and of course, what happens when that sacramental marriage never existed. What we call a declaration of nullity that can be granted or an annulment. And maybe you've gone through that process. Maybe you have some questions about it. And our studio line, 888 914 914 9149. And Father Susan is listening to us in Minneapolis. Hi, Susan. You're on the air with Father Ramil.
2: Oh, hi. Good morning. Um, good morning. Years ago, good morning. Uh, years ago, I was told I needed an annulment. Um, and so i tried to pursue it and i never was able to get in touch with my ex-husband and his children were were very uncooperative. um i'm not sure i needed it but i want to get things cleaned up i know i don't need it to go to communion but i know that there's a possibility i might need it in order to ever remarry i'm 70 and i'm not planning on remarrying but i you know it's always kind of hung over my head Mm -hmm. and so um When I was, I guess it was, I was about 30, um, I was extremely depressed and and the man I ended up marrying was quite a bit older than me and and very much controlling and I kind of gave myself up and let him make all the decisions and four months before we were married, he told me he was going to prison for securities fraud. And I was in therapy at the time, and I told my my, uh, therapist, I do not want to marry this man, but I don't know how to get out of it. And I ended up marrying him, Justice of the Peace. He was not Catholic. And um, he went to prison, and I left him when he was in prison because I knew I'd never survive if I, you know, went back to him because I knew I I was losing myself. I lost Mm. myself for quite quite a long time so anyway i've never known really if i really do need an annulment if i ever choose to remarry
3: well susan just out of curiosity uh this was a civil marriage yes okay did you as a catholic ever bring it to the church's attention to have it convalidated
2: no i was pretty far away from my faith at that
3: point in my life. No. Okay. Remember, the most important thing is to get reconciled with the Lord because our Lord wants to embrace you. I mean, he already does, but he wants you to know the healing that comes with us. So what I would do is if you're in St. Paul, Minneapolis, contact your local tribunal, tell your story.
2: Okay.
3: And, you know, there is no, uh, certainly no judge is going to be certainly on the radio telling you, okay, this is what's going to happen. Uh, there's no prediction on anything. But I think the tribunal in Minneapolis-St. Paul would be very helpful from what I heard you just okay. say. I, I think if okay. if you're moved to do so, please do so. You know, it's... Uh,
2: okay, yeah, no, I'm totally willing. Uh, so <laughs> my problem for never completing it was that I could never mm-hmm. get anybody to cooperate with me on his end. So I just right. gave up
3: well that's what I am
2: happy to co- contact them and if if that's your uh, recommendation I'm very happy to do that
3: absolutely also talk with your pastor our pastors also have a lot of experience in guiding people towards making the right decision that in fact is the pastor's role so in addition to the sacraments that he can give you he should also be pastoring you by giving you advice now as I've said, our friends at the tribunal in Minneapolis St. Paul, would be very interested to hear what you have to say, but start with your pastor. That's that's really our obligation as priests.
0: You know, Father. As Susan's talking too, she said, you know, there's that that uh, maybe unwillingness, and I know in other situations mm-hmm. maybe there's an inability for cooperation uh, going through that annulment process. And I've I've mm-hmm. known different people to go through that process, and sure. you know, they bring different witnesses. What what were the circumstances? What happened? You know, different things mm-hmm. like that in, when, when that couple was originally married. Um, Mm -hmm. and what, what can you do if you find yourself in a situation like Susan, where there just doesn't seem to be that cooperation as you're wanting to move forward. You're trying to, you're trying to have this kind of spiritual healing and reconciliation in your life, but you're met with resistance from the other people involved.
3: The first and foremost thing is always take it to prayer, take it to prayer. And ask the Lord to inspire you how to move forward on this. So, in the practical side of it, go to the pastor, go to your pastor, and then also contact the tribunal and get their advice on how best to do it. Oftentimes, many times, it is simply a matter that people cannot be reached. If there is outright resistance, then it's problematic. But again, an individual applying for a declaration of nullity must be heard by the church. Our people have a right to get an answer. So speaking with the tribunal and speaking with your local representative to begin the process is about getting an answer. So nothing is ever um, impossible. Hmm. There are ways of getting this done.
0: Our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, as we're talking today about sacramental marriage and the annulment process, receiving that declaration of nullity. And maybe you have a question on that, and we're taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. I know there are many of you on hold, Mary, Annie, Kathleen. We're going to try and get to each of your calls coming up here very shortly. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
1: Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1 888 914 9149. That's 1 888 914 9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Thanks so much for joining us here on The Inner Life today. Josh Raymond and our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And today we're talking about marriage and annulments. And maybe you have a question about marriage, about annulments, and what the Catholic Church teaches on these. Uh, A lot of people calling in with questions specific to their own situations. And maybe you've gone through that annulment process. How did that help you to find healing and ultimately to grow closer to Christ in your life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 914 9149 And Father, we've got Annie who's listening to us in Romeoville, Illinois. Hi, Annie. Thanks for calling into the Inner Life today.
4: Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. I wanted to share a, a message of joy. I've been married 25 years, and my husband was married prior to that. Um, he got married in the Catholic Church unfortunately his girlfriend that he dated for a long time got pregnant out of wedlock and my mother-in-law wanted to make sure that they got married in the church so they did and a year and a half later unfortunately things didn't work out between them and uh, they got divorced and so I came back into his life and I started bringing him to church every Sunday and he was angry he was disappointed, he felt ashamed, uh, and I kept telling him that God is always forgiving of everything. And we grew closer and closer, and then we got engaged, and he knew how important it was for me to marry in the Catholic Church, and he loved me so much that he said, you know, Annie, I'm going to have to, you know, get an annulment if we're going to marry in your church, and he was more than willing to do it, but what we have found is that it gave him peace and serenity um, to close that door and know that it wasn't all him, uh, that he was trying to do the right thing. And uh, God bless, but today is his son's 30th birthday, and we have a beautiful family, a combined family of faith. And um, I'm just very grateful to have such a wonderful husband and just to give people out there the sense of that there is hope and divorce can be difficult, but Uh, This is a really good thing that the church has for
3: us. Amen. What a wonderful witness right there. The, The whole point of the Declaration of Nullity is, number one, Christ's healing. Number two, the church's simple statement of a juridic fact, whether or not the marriage was considered valid, because it's presumed valid but if a person questions it, then the church must answer the question, is this valid or not? Simple statement. And thirdly, for those who are interested in pursuing marriage uh, and need a declaration of nullity, you know, as is always the case, when a marriage, let's just call it for what it is, falters, then we prepare the couple for a possible uh, subsequent marriage. So as I've always said, there's always room for improvement. So what happened in the first marriage, attempted marriage, that could indicate you've got a lot of work to do, that one would have a lot of work to do? What were the contributing factors to that situation? It's important to know, because that way, the church can then step in, offer her guidance, the sacraments to say, we will now prepare you properly that you understand fully or at least more fully, what Christian marriage is all about.
0: Uh, Father, as you're talking about that, is there anything specifically that you would say if you want to have a really healthy marriage? You're already married, and you want to uh, ensure that you uh, fulfill those vows. You are together till death do us part. What can that couple do? Or maybe what are some of the pitfalls that somebody should avoid, especially maybe if... Uh, it's a young person listening and they are in a relationship saying, "Oh, you know, we might get married or we're already engaged.
3: This is gonna sound kind of um, kind of humorous, but the first thing, pray together. Pray together. It is always a good indicative to me whether or not people take it seriously that hey, we go, not we only we not only just go to mass because that's just also fulfilling an obligation. If you mm-hmm. really wanted to be blunt about it, We go to Mass on Sundays, even as a dating couple. All right, that's wonderful. But do you pray together? Pray before meals. You know, you go out for the evening with with young couples. I always say to them, when you go out for the evening and you, you know, you're enjoying time together, when you hold hands, you also pray together. Mm -hmm. So every couple should make a priority to have a spiritual life. Do you pray? Because that's always invoking the very presence of God. That purifies, that dignifies, that elevates Every relationship. And I think that's a key element. Yeah. Keeps him central.
0: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Father, oh.
0: let's go back to. The, I'm sorry, go ahead. Did you have one other thing?
3: One other thought. It just occurred to me. Um, people always ask, All right, I got divorced. I receive an annulment. What does that mean about my children?
0: Mm, yeah, that, that's a great question. There's that, you know, are my children illegitimate uh, kind Correct. of question
3: out there. Yeah. Correct. And my usual response is stop thinking about that. This is, <laughs> this is a statement about a juridic bond. Those children are not illegitimate. It is something to please do not put this on the children. This is a statement, simple statement, of a juridic fact of a bond that was expressed between two individuals. And quickly, very quickly, the, the whole idea of illegitimacy was something that was uh, identified by the church as a way of property and inheritances back in the day, hundreds wow. of years ago okay right and otherwise no longer relevant not relevant please don't do that to our children <laughs> good good so if you've got a gram out
0: there who's raising that question just don't worry about it it's not even something that should be on the radar that is uh, not the church's point father we've got kathleen who's listening to us in portland hi kathleen uh thanks for calling into the inner life you're on the air with father ramiel
2: hi thank you father um i really quick i was annulled after 23 years um we have nine children, married in the Catholic Church, both baptized. I am now married to a, a new man, hopefully for the rest of my life. I was married by a Dominican priest here in Portland. It was a valid marriage because we could not find baptismal certificate for my husband. So is my marriage lesser than because it's not uh, sacramental? I've been told that it's not really good, but it's okay. So. I'll hang up and listen to your comment, Father. Okay, um,
3: from what I understand, you are kind of breaking up a little bit there, but from what I understand, the best thing to do is go to your pastor, go to your tribunal, and ask them about what is the next step. First and foremost, we're a church. The church proposes and brings our Lord. So the church wants you to have the fullness of what our Lord offers, and therefore your subsequent marriage needs to be uh, investigated and to receive our Lord's presence. So I would say, let's not get into, certainly not where I'm sitting, it's not for me to judge, I think your pastor is the best, most compassionate source of guidance, along with your tribunal, to kind of, you know, settle things down and move it along with Christ's presence. I, I hope that makes sense, but I think really our Lord must be present, and I would urge you to serenely contact the, the people involved, like your pastor and the tribunal, to, uh, to help you with that regard.
0: I hope that does help, Kathleen. Thanks for calling in. Uh, father, you know, I ended up going to school, uh, high school with some kids that grew up in a family. They were a Catholic family. They all, all went to Mass, but the father, he'd been married prior to marrying their mother he was mm-hmm. young things fell apart in that marriage and he was away from the church at the time and he ended up meeting this woman who would become his second wife from the mother of all these other children uh, and, uh the the kids that i knew and they were away from the church they started having their family they came back to the faith later then and he sought out this declaration of nullity but it wasn't granted and so now they had this family and i think there were five children total Mm-hmm. and the they they had this life together there was the family unit but the church then said sorry the marriage isn't valid because this first marriage was declared the valid marriage and so these kids they watched their mother really kind of mourn the fact that she loved her husband she you know they they were going to stay together for the kids of course of course but she couldn't then receive the eucharist but they respected the church's decision on this and so these kids, I watch them have this kind of resentment toward the church, because of their parents trying to follow to the best of their ability what was decided, but still stay together for their kids. What do you do in that sort of situation? I mean, that's a really difficult position, right there.
3: That is, that is actually one of the hardest questions that I have ever come across. Um, when when the church says. No, the first bond is in fact valid that's one of the hardest things for people to ever hear and it's Mm -hmm. ultimately it's the hardest thing for the church to say but difficult as it is i always tell people too you know the cross was not pleasant it's not a pretty symbol Um, that's why our lord is depicted in our catholic church is not just a wooden cross but our lord dying bleeding tortured on the cross. That is the extent of sacrificial love that he went through for us. And as far as a couple are concerned, hearing something like that, that is exceedingly painful. But also their response is really what's edifying to the children as well. It should be. They're doing their best under the circumstances and it hurts them. But does that necessarily prevent joy? I think their sacrificial giving in that regard, all the things that the church guides them to do, given the the negative decision, they seem to be responding to it. Wonderful. They're trying to respond in the best way that they can. Is it painful? Absolutely. But again, going back to my earlier comment, this is an exercise of the common priesthood. What is this hanging on the cross and dying to yourself for love? i i would that's what i have to argue that this is in fact the spiritual dimension that far too many of us tend to ignore
0: and if you've got kids who are feeling that resentment uh, at that point i'm going to guess we're going to go back to one of the things you said earlier pray for your kids
3: right and pray with your kids yeah pray with them you know it's a unity is not just between husband and wife but with a family Father
0: Ramil Fajardo is our spiritual director. And Father, as we are down to about our last 30 seconds here, could I ask you to offer a blessing to all of our listeners?
3: Through the intercession of St. Joseph in this, his year, and always with the Blessed Virgin Mary, may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Father Ramil, thank you so much for being our spiritual director here on the program today. Great to talk with you.
3: Thank you very much, Josh.
0: And if you missed any portion of the program earlier, I always say it. You probably can say it yourself by now. Go listen to the podcast. It'll be posted shortly on RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. And I uh, want to encourage you to stay tuned. We have Mass coming up next here on Relevant Radio. And, of course, right after that, it's The Faith Explained with Kale Clark. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life.